Welcome back to the Supercoach Champions podcast. This is our third preseason episode. This is actually episode 80 of all of our episodes so far. So we're getting closer and closer to episode 100, which is a mark we never really thought we were going to hit when we started this. Uh, you're listening to Catfish, uh, Wilfred here as always. I'm joined this week not by Bear. He's had a week off, uh, just like Joe Fitz had last week. So Joe has joined us this week. How are you going, mate? Really well, Wilf. Wilf really well. Looking forward to uh, the pod tonight. And uh, we do have a special guest yet again, um, fitting in with our preseason trend of getting people on. We're joined by another champion, though. Uh, we have Rob Bruns. Um, he, you might know him on Twitter at Nearly the Goat, and there's a good reason for that. So Rob is the 2010 Supercoach champion, and the reason he's nearly the the greatest of all time from a Supercoach perspective is he's probably the the one who's come closest to winning twice. And I believe that was because he had, uh, came second in 2008. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for, thanks for jumping on. No problems at all. Excited to be here. So, Rob, before we jump into it, obviously, you know, you have won Supercoach before. You're still playing. And uh, I think last year you did pretty well. Yeah, I had a good, good year last year. Um, overall, I mean, my – well, I'm inv- I was involved with two teams, Um my own team registered in my name and uh, my wife's team, my partner's team, um, I helped her, wink, wink. Um, so, yeah, those teams were one finished 334, I think, and the other one 800. Um, so they were fairly, fairly, fairly okay overall scores. I guess um, probably had a really good year. I, I did well in my in a, in a big sort of head-to-head league. Like, a you know, it was a $500 buy-in, which I won that. So that was a 20-person league. So that was a pretty that was pretty good in that regard. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think, like, I was just really happy. Considering I didn't have Teddy, um, you know, from the beginning through all those big scores, I think I think I checked I was the highest-ranked team, you know, without Teddy. Um, and you know the annoying thing is that I could have like I could have had him without destroying my team, you know, in other parts. So that was a bit frustrating. But you live and you learn. Yeah, well, look, <laughs> you know, I think you described your season as pretty good. But uh, two teams, uh, both in the top one thousand, one in the top uh, one thirty four. I think you said that. that's impressive. Three thirty four. Three thirty four. Well, look, that's still really really impressive. So well done on a great twenty twenty. Um, look, before we go further into Supercoach chat, though, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what do you do for a crust? <laughs> um, I actually work at, I'm a social worker. So I work a social worker and a disability support worker. So I work full time gigs. I basically work in a, in a refuge, a house for homeless teenagers. Um, that's a full time gig. Um, I've just come from a 24 hour shift there now. Enjoy that, and because unfortunately that doesn't pay enough for me to live my life. I want to live in the east. I've got a bunch of you know part time work on the side, some disability support work, and some other stuff working with children special needs and so on. So yeah, that's what I do. Oh, that's uh, you know it's it's interesting how varied uh, the the world of supercoach is. People have all sorts of. Uh, skills professions expertises and look well, i'll be honest i when interacting with you on twitter and everything like that i would never have picked you for that type uh so look that sounds like you're doing fantastic work and and yeah it's obviously um is that, imagine is that pretty grounded i appreciate that sort of like a half backhanded compliment but also sort of having a crack at my twitter interaction i don't know <laughs> It's one hundred percent a backhanded compliment. Just I'm nice in real life, but just a prick on Twitter or something. Uh, look, I wasn't getting to that. Look, pricks, pricks a bit far. I was actually going to talk a bit about some of your uh, impressions. Um, you know, you're a Mad Roosters fan. Yeah. Uh, for those who aren't aware, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, perhaps what you're more famous for in terms of the Roosters <laughs> fandom? Mate, just a big Roosters fan from way back. Um, and I guess, yeah, just enjoy, you know, enjoy, enjoy expressing myself, being creative. You know, I don't, I don't do that as, you know, I don't have a real creative outlet as such for profession. So I like being, you know, different, weird and 
I guess, yeah, so, you know, I've made some videos over the years and more recently, uh, I guess, fairly popular with some of the Macho Man videos, um, which was a bit of fun. Yeah, look, I quite enjoy them. You, you, you do a pretty, pretty solid impression. So I might <laughs> dig out some of those old tweets and, and um, retweet them so the, the listeners can enjoy uh, a quality impression there. <laughs> but um, look, moving on a little bit, so just quick plug to our group competition for this year. So we ran this last year, um, courtesy of supercoachchampion.com. Um, despite the similarity in our name, they're actually not affiliated with us. So we had nothing to do with them aside from the fact that they've put up a really nice 2021 Supercoach Champion ring. Uh, again, I'll tweet out uh, what it looks like. It, it looks just as good as last year's. Uh, it's decent quality stuff, but uh, we're running the competition again. So group code, uh, and this is group, not league, group code 538032. Uh, you can jump on their website, supercoachchampion.com and check out what did they do. They, it's not just NRL Supercoach. They've got AFL stuff. They've got Dream Team. They've got other stuff as well. So check it out. Uh, if you want 10% off and free shipping, just chuck in the promo code CHAMP, C-H-A-M-P, and um, that'll obviously yeah hook you up with those extras. So, uh, again, our group competition, you'll get that ring if you win uh, overall at the end of that competition. And also you'll we'll chuck in a $200 voucher for team merchandise for the highest finishing team. So, Keep an eye on that. We'll obviously keep tabs on it throughout the year. And yeah, so look, this is the third preseason episode. We've spent some time analyzing 2020. Uh, obviously with yourself, Rob, I think this is a really good opportunity to pick your brain. And I've noticed, you know, the ten, the trends for your tweeting and stuff like that, you often like to, you know, you dive a little deeper into certain players. You, you don't mind talking a bit about strategy and things like that. So I thought you'd be a perfect person to jump on. Uh, for this week and to, to talk with us. Now, you, you sort of mentioned before that you did run, you, you did um, have two teams last year. Uh, and you also talked about how you won a, a massive head to head league. Uh, you know, I would say a bit of a high roller league, <laughs> that yeah. type of buy in. Um, so, I guess, starting question is I mean, do you see yourself approaching overall and head to head type leagues? quite differently in terms of what your starting team, your players you pick. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Like it's one of my qualms with the whole super coach setup is like to me they are just totally different games Um, and, you know, I'm surprised, you know, I think it would be quite possible for super coach to head down head down that path where you could, you know, have an overall league and have, you know, multiple teams, you know, in head-to-head leagues. Because lots of people, you know, do play in multiple head-to-head leagues. Um, lots of them, <laughs> big, lots of people play, uh, you know, more the gambler type, big punters play in lots of, lots of ca- big cash leagues with the one team, you know, like, and that's really not, giving yourself the best chance of winning. But, yeah, but basically they're just, yeah, I feel that they're totally, totally, totally different games. We approach totally differently. Yeah, look, I think I'm with you there. Joe, do you have a different um, take on that or are you on the same page with that as well? Yeah, no, I, I kind of conceptually understand head-to-head leagues. I've, I've been in a bunch of them and a bunch of cashies, but uh, I've not run a second team just I mean, as much about spare time as anything yeah. else. Um, so, you know, obviously understand you you kind of uh, tank the buy rounds and, and it is a bit of a different strategy. Pretty much a completely different game as to what Rob was saying. But, um, you know, I tend to not do as well in my head-to-head cashies by virtue of the fact that I'm generally going for overall. Well, I think, I think you know, in, a, in an overall league, your points matter no matter when you get them. You know, 1,300 in the first round is 13, you know, is just as valuable in the first round as it is in, you know, the 20th round or whatever, right? Like, with with the way, with the depth of the quality of players now, you know, the way that it is, most, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a strong private league, every, you know, head-to-head league, most people know what they're doing. The chances are that come the end of the year, everyone's going to have a pretty good team, right? Like pretty decent. And you might get to the chance where you have three or four different players. Now, how do you eliminate, how do you minimise chance and luck or give yourself a greater advantage, you know, when you're coming to these knockout games, coming in the final games? And the only the only way to do that is to have depth in positions. 
So you've got more, you know, so you've got more options and you can, you know, if you're behind in a game, you can match a player or if you're, uh, sorry, you can change a position so you can, so you can catch up points or if you're ahead, you can match an opposition, just more options down the track. Um, whereas that's not, not as important in overall. Um, as an example, like particularly last year was really interesting because when, you know, COVID and the rule changes and they brought in the, the extra, you know, the, was it 40 trades or something or what did? I think it's this, we just had the same number of trades, but we went from time. a 25-week comp yeah. to a 20-week comp. Yeah, so there was a lot of trades. Well, you could, you could basically do two trades every round, I think, besides one yeah. round or something like that. After being frustrated with that initially, it was like, okay, you know, let's, how do we adapt to this? And that's when I was like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Everyone's going to have, in head-to-head, everyone's going to have a really good team. You know, we've got a, my goal was not to have, you know, 17 to 19 good players, but like I want 23 good players, like 23 keepers, you know, and I was able to, I was able to do that in my and that was really the difference in my private of course there was you know there's always a bit of luck involved and it worked my way it's not a guarantee but just pushing that into my favor so and that was just just about you know buying and selling at the right time um and and you know not you know when teddy was skyrocketing just being patient you know buying everyone by selling at top dollar buying at bottom dollar quite simply you know yeah so i guess practically speaking for a head-to-head player like yourself, you can choose to ignore sometimes a player that's absolutely on fire because maybe your opponent upcoming doesn't also like also doesn't have Teddy or something like that. So that could viably be your strategy. You could choose to ignore that, focus on buying the the value, strengthening your seventeen elsewhere, and and still you know get a win. Yeah, uh, just even. I mean, it's getting that balance. You've got to obviously you want to win enough games to to make the eight ideally the top four, but, you know, in the end of the day, you want to, and, and, and I, and I tread that line quite finely last year, you know, it was a bit risky because I did sacrifice, you know, I didn't, when people, when I was playing people who were captaining Teddy, you know, and I didn't have him, it was going to make it hard. Right. But I just had to stick. To, I just made a commitment that that was going to be my plan and stick to my guns. And when it came to the end, you know, I did have, I had, you know, I was leaving out multiple, players i will say like it is an interesting discussion from the from the the beginning of the season whether you should have a different team like i sort of feel you don't like i think you can still plan and have the same team but it's just i think it's how you maneuver your team throughout the year um is is quite different see for me like i used to be strictly a head-to-head player and it wasn't you know and i thought i did all right like i wasn't the type to chuck 500 bucks or a thousand dollars or whatever into a buy-in for a big money league like that, but yeah. you know, most leagues I entered, I, I do pretty well. I always make the finals. I'd yeah. win a bunch of them. So you know, I thought of myself as a decent head-to-head player. Then I switched to the overall strategy there. But even when I was playing head-to-head, I found myself often I'd finish somewhere in the top one thousand, two thousand all of the time, even though I'd ignore the buys. Yeah, what about, well, my head-to-head team. Well, it's okay, so. Out of the two teams that I coached, my head-to-head team actually ended up finishing higher. Yeah. You know, so you know that can happen, right? But you know, that's that said, twenty twenty was very different because yeah. there was any buys or anything think, like that. I think the thing, you know, obviously, super coach isn't chess, right? Like it's not all skill. It's more like back, you know, it's more like backgammon, like skill and a bit of luck, right? So, and and, and I think when it comes to head-to-head there's actually, it's weighted more to luck, you know, like um, I, that's just what I think, you know, there's a lot more chance involved. Like you can have, you could be playing, you could be playing a team that, and you have them, you have 16 better players, you know, 16 of your players are better than 16 of their players, but they just have, you know. They captain Cody Walker for 203. Exactly. Yeah. Or they captain an even player that you know worst player <laughs> for that and they beat you you know that they don't have a yeah they can claim that it's you know you know greater knowledge or whatever but it's not you had a better team and you Partic- particularly the when the pods are in the center wings and you've got the superior players uh you know in your ctw and you know some borderline nuff goes over for two tries and 
you know, exactly. it's the ball game. Yeah. You know, like that's, yeah. so there's more of, and, and you see like plenty of, plenty of players, like in, in, in my big head to head league, there were players who finished very high in the rankings, but didn't make the eight, you know, and they were missed out to, to players, you know, who are way down on overall. But like, if I was, if I was to, you know, if I was to claim, you know, how, how great I was and throw out the challenge to anyone in, you know, beating them in Supercoach or something like that. You know, if I if I was throwing my money around and say I'll take anyone on, I wouldn't throw that challenge out in head to head. You know, it's too too much chance for me. Like I'd be more comfortable that I could back myself in overall. Yeah. I totally understand that. I think after I got better and understood the game of overall, um, there's certainly a a more conservative and a safer way to play. Whereas head to head, like, you know, like I think you brought up a really good point, Joe. Sometimes, you know, it is luck in that maybe you had a late withdrawal for, you know, one of your gun center wings. So you throw a random, you know, center wing rookie in there who crashed over for a double. Like, yeah. it just, sometimes it just happens. And I think another underrated part of the luck with head to head is the draw, like who you actually get to play. I think there's a chance that you could consistently be the third or fourth highest scorer every single week. And I think, Joe, yeah. like, especially with NFL fantasy this year, right, I think you and I were in this league where we ended up in the top four or five scorers for the whole league, but we came, like, last and second last in the overall um, head-to-head standings because we kept facing the top scorer for yeah. that week. We're lucky this week. is not on video because my body language is very poor right now <laughs> hearing you remind me about that league. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, a little bit of variance or more variance uh, with NFL fantasy just given that the numbers, um, you know, are so much lower. So one point means a lot more in the overall scheme of things. But, look, I, you know, I find head-to-head interesting regardless even though I'm an overall player and, you know, I'm kind of – you know, doing it with uh, one arm tied behind my back, trying to win head-to-head leagues. But it is an interesting wrinkle on the game in the same way as Rob was saying that, you know, you can still play, you know, for overall and go as high as you, as you can while still yeah. maintaining a head-to-head focused team. Yeah, look, I think one of the key things, like, for example, when you get a bit deeper in the head-to-head strategy, you're looking at things like, I think, Rob, you are touching on it before, talking about having common players and let's say, you know, especially when your game starts on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, you might have two thirds of your team already playing by say the 3 p.m. game on Saturday. You can see you've got a massive 500 point lead. Maybe they've 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 had half their team play, and you can go, well, I could match 80 percent of their remaining team, and you'll do that because then they're relying on 20 percent to catch up, like two or three players to catch up the the gap that's already existing for you. So. You, yeah. if you're focusing and, and your goal for that particular matchup is to do that to win that game, then that's strategically what you would do. And plus, you would try and match the captain. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, the, and the more, the more, the more, the greater depth you have, the more options you have. Basically, yeah. So, as an example, if it's coming down to the end of the round, the last game, I might be, you know, losing by ten points. He's got. You know, we both he, we both got Angus Crichton to come, but I've also you know we both got one player, you know, to come, and it just happens that it's both Angus Crichton. But I've also got more depth. I've got David Fafida, you know, so I'm behind by ten. I'm still a chance. I can, you know, but if I'm up by ten and he's only got Angus Crichton, I can put Angus Crichton in. If I'm down, you know, and then I've won. But if I'm down, I can put Fafida in, and I'm a chance. I'm still a chance to win. And it's just yep. giving yourself more options across the board. You look at the, you look at you look at everyone's team, and you say, "I've got them covered here," or I, "I need to pick up there," or "I can back myself here," or I "Match their captain." And, and that's what you know, in the league that I was in. There's just it's full on like last minute change. People throwing dummies everywhere and last minute changing, <laughs> and a lot of that. Even the um, I, I learned a new one last year that I didn't even know of was that like that you can track. I don't know if you're aware of this, that you can trade a player. Obviously, you can't trade, you can't reverse a trade after lockout. But if you trade a player in, then if I trade um, Nathan Cleary for um, Daily Cherry Evans, if neither of them have played, but the rounds start, if I then um, trade Cherry Evans for Cleary, like the same trade, you just make the same trade. 
it, it negates it. If you, you're back to zero trades, Does, yep. am I making sense? Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. You can make two trades of the same player and it doesn't count as your two trades. It counts as no trades. I did not know that. That's yeah, very, very mate. interesting. <laughs> actually, on that, you can actually go, let's say you had Cleary, you trade him to DCE, and then you trade DCE to someone else. Yep. It's still the same trade. It's one trade, yeah. So that's one trade. So obviously you've got to make sure that neither of the players have played. And none of the dual positions you might need have also been played or yep, used. you've got to double-check yourself over all that because you can make it forever. And it's nerve-wracking because you're thinking, like, is this – this doesn't work, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, wasting my track, but it works, like, you know, and you've suddenly, so you've made two, the person thinks, obviously this is a head-to-head thing, but the person thinks you've brought that player in the match and the next minute, you know, you've got someone else in or you've, you know, they think, like you said, Wilfred, they think you've brought in DCE, but you've actually jeweled someone up and you've got Cody Walker and they're just like, what, why did he have him? I thought I'd matched him, you know, so there's all those little, Little quirks. And maybe something that we can put a bow on the head-to-head talk, but a question that I'm really interested in, Rob, is how then when you, you know, towards the end of the game week where you're looking to bring in those strategic things uh, based on your position uh, and players to come, do you handle updates and down dates as they come through the weekend? I mean, surely that's got to kill you as a head-to-head player. Yeah, just, just checking in as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, I know that obviously they're never not going to have the Monday kind of final updates and stuff, but um, and they have got a bit better in recent years. But you know, there was is a propensity at, at various times through the season where we'll have weekends where the, you know one game might get five or six upgrades over a couple of days. Yeah, this this was my first like this was my first year, first time I went in like a big cash you know head to head league like that. So I was like, I set you know I had set my alarms you know ten minutes before every game made it a sort of a priority, um, yeah. which you've just, if you're serious, like you've just got to do, like if you really want to want to win or go as good as you possibly can, you've, yeah, you can't afford to have, you know, miss a player being ruled out before kickoff or something like that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the key thing is that whilst you can play both head to head and overall with the same team at some stage, you've got to prioritize one of them the ideal decision that you might make for a head-to-head matchup could handicap your overall points. Like you said, uh, you gave the example of, you know, you've got Angus Crichton uh, and David Fafita. They've only got Angus Crichton. You're behind. You've got to roll the dice on David Fafita. You might end up 30 points behind because Fafita did nothing that week or whatever. Whereas an overall, you would have just left Angus Crichton in, right? You would have assumed he would have outscored Fafita. Uh, So, you know, you're making suboptimal decisions for one of your games if you're trying to do both. With the and, same and, thing, and obviously, so. like, and obviously, at some point, you go, "Well, what what do I want to? What's my goal in overall? Like, do I want to win the whole thing?" And if you, you know, if you're in the top hundred and in the mix, you know, and you think obviously you still want to have a crack, but if you maybe, you know, like for me, I don't really care where I come. Like, if I don't win it, like it means, yeah, it means nothing. You know, I'm not. No, I don't. I don't mean to dismiss people being, you know, the 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 glory of a top one thousand or anything like that. Everyone's yeah. got different. Only only a former winner can say that. Right? <laughs> Let's be very. As the only non-winner on the pod. Let me be very clear. <laughs> no, like it doesn't. Yeah, you know what I'm. Mean. I'm not not to come across as arrogant, but like it doesn't. Yeah, like I said, everyone's got. But, but I mean, like if I was, you know, there'd be some point where I'd go. You know what? I'm not going to win it now. Um, you know, I'll take a few, and hence why, you know, if I'm sort of drifting out, I'll take a few more risks because I'm not trying to and likely drift out of having a good overall rank because I'm um, I'm not going to win it by just doing what everyone else is doing. Well, I think the key thing is is that if you've climbed a mountain once, you know, that's your personal best. You're never going to beat that. So <laughs> I think, you know, it's true. You're going to take some bigger risks and, like, I, I've – Look, I, I honestly, it sounds crazy, but it's so true. Um, the year after I won, I was coming top 200 or whatever. I made some crazy moves to try catch up and win again. Yeah. So moves that I wouldn't have made if I was trying to hit my, my personal best and yeah. try and look and consolidate a top 100, 200 finish or if whatever. If your best score prior to that was 1,000, you would have just been chipping away to crack the top 100 or something. That's it, 100%. Um, but... Yeah, look, I think the other thing perhaps that's a bit understated um, or maybe 
maybe not. I think it does get emphasized a lot, but your trading strategy is quite different for overall and head-to-head. Obviously, you know, you're burning a lot of trades off in, in overall because you're covering for the buyers. Sometimes you can ignore that for head-to-head. And I feel one of the most important things for head-to-head is you want to have four trades minimum at the start of your finals. You know, yeah. That to me seems like a, a no-brainer and, and something that as a head-to-head player, you have to prioritize. Yeah, And that means giving up trades earlier in the season for that. So, yeah, I um, mean, once again, it depends, you know, how things play out in front of you. Ideally, you'd like to have two trades for every finals game. You know, that would be yep. perfect. But just, I think coming into and coming into the finals in most comps, people probably don't have that. Like, you might have one for the grand final or one. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, that's but right. ideally, that would be. Yeah, but I guess you got to weigh everything up. You know, no point yeah. in having trades if you don't make the finals. That's it, hundred percent. So having said that, obviously our podcast, we're focused primarily on overall. But look, I, I agree with Joe. Like I definitely find talking about head-to-head and the strategies behind it, I find it fascinating. I really do enjoy it. I wish I could do it more often. And yeah, I, I would 100% be playing head-to-head and well, overall. Wilfred, you've got to push for it to be different games. It should just be like the draft. They're totally push different. Push for it. I'll push for it. And, you know what? and, and they get more people, like people that get more more traffic because people could like you have one you know you're legally allowed one team in overall fair's fair but in in head to head you know you could have for the people who are just like want to manage multiple teams they could why not let them be have a different team in each league you know yeah and have those teams excluded from the overall rankings exactly right? exactly that, that makes so much sense to me yeah. i wish Look, I've said it, uh, let's not go there. <laughs> but look, let's focus a bit more on, like I said, overall. I want to spend a bit of time just talking about starting teams, what your structure is. So I guess first question, I might start off you this time, Joe. Do you have a basic template that you follow each season? Yeah, I tend to over time, um, you know, was very chalk uh, in the early years, you know, before I got a bit more experience and, and trusted my gut. I tend to really, really prioritise cash generation in the early rounds um and it's really down to uh you know sticking loosely to a guns and rookies strategy but maybe uh you know with more mid-rounders uh in than you would otherwise do in a strict guns and rookies uh you know plan and i guess for this year the most glaring uh example of that to me is teddy versus turbo where you know fair enough teddy's uh you know 95 average it was the best super coach year ever etc etc but but you know for the first half of the year or at least until he got injured um genuine conversation around which of the three big uh fullbacks were with the best ones you know we had uh turbo go for 152 in round three ponga went for 159 in round four then teddy exploded and uh in round five for his 199 it didn't really stop but at the moment Teddy's priced at almost 30 points a game more than Turbo. And I don't think anyone would think that there is that much difference in the quality of player. So um, given how tight money is in round one, um, you know, you really need to be penny pinching. I think that kind of, I think it's um, uh, right on the the money for 250K difference between Teddy and Turbo. Um, that, that money can be so valuable in upgrading, uh, you know, positions that don't have anywhere near the disparity in prices. I am shocked at how quickly people have forgotten how much of a factor, how much of a lord Turbo is. Like All, all the discussion, Teddy, even he did, he did ton up, I think in round two or something, but Ponga had played a game less than Teddy after four rounds and had more points than him. And Turbo was the, the one that, uh, everyone, but but most notably Tom Sankster was screaming from the rafters that you absolutely had to have in your team, locked in captain every week and, and all that kind of crazy stuff. And then obviously Teddy kind of, you know, took that personally <laughs> and, and went to town. The, uh, but, but very much, you know, for a lot of the a year, it, not just in real life, but in super coach terms, there was gen, genuine discussion to be had about which of the big three were the better super coach option. Yeah, look, I think that's absolutely spot on. And I just feel that all the people who just say lock in Teddy straight away, and, and this is not because I've come, I've already come out and said, look, I'm probably not starting with Teddy. And I think that's it's a big call to not do that because of what we've just seen in 2020. But 
then the amount of people who just say it's a no brainer, like you don't even have to think about it. That kind of does my head in. Like I, I genuinely think it has to be something you consciously consider because it's you're spot on. It's such a huge chunk of your cap for round one that you could viably use if you trust yourself as a super coach to you know assess other players and use that to the best okay value okay the only i know what you're saying but the only reason why that doesn't sort of hold true is because of the captaincy factor like if if captaincy wasn't a thing and by the way i hate the captain rule i hate that that's my but if the captaincy wasn't a thing then you'd have a totally fair point. Like I, and everything, my whole entire planning of my team is around what you're talking about, balancing the money. It's not about guns or anything. So, But because of the captaincy factor, you're missing out on the – you need to have the player who scores the most points as your captain, like full stop. Yeah, and look, you're not wrong there. And I guess, you know, viewed in isolation, you know, Teddy is uh, objectively the best captaincy option week in, week out, even though, you know, you might look at a Cleary or, or, or you know, Kemp Smith or whatever, depending on matchup. But but that 250K for me, and it's only given that Turbo is underpriced. And, and while I think Teddy's probably 1A, Turbo's 1B in terms of quality and super coach output, um, if we were comparing, say, Ryan Madison and as I scroll down, Super Coach for someone 250k less than him, it's um, Jai Arrow, something like that. No, no, no. Jai Arrow is way closer than that. It's Liam Knight or you know someone like that. So if if it's the difference between having a Liam Knight, uh, being able to afford Liam Knight or being able to afford Madison or okay. or Tamalolo, then I think your your overall scoring output is going to be better. You know, just playing that smarter way. 100% true, like factually, objectively true <laughs> if it wasn't for the captaincy. Like factor that factor that difference in points. What you're saying is, you know, like, ter- by the way, I'm having, I'm starting with Teddy and Turbo, but factoring in the points difference that, you, you know, you're making up from having a better player from the money you save, you know, working that out, add it up. It's what you should do actually. Hmm. I'll get to that, <laughs> but um, do it. Then add on the captain's points, you know, doubling, and see if that save if the, what the difference is. Yeah. So to me, I think the main thing is is you need to basically assess what do you think Teddy's actually going to score, okay. uh, because as your captain, as you say, you've got to double his points. So let's say his price is a 90, uh, you know, 95, 96 average. If you genuinely believe he's going to match that, then it's a no-brainer. Lock him in. He's your captain every week. You can't beat that, basically. Yep. If you think he's going to come back to the pack a little, maybe it's 80. 80 times 2. 80 is still a fantastic average, don't get me wrong. But 80 times 2, if I've got Turbo, and let's say maybe Pappenhausen averages 75 for okay. still quite a lot of coin less. Like If you're captaining Turbo instead and Turbo's you know, maybe within five, 10 points of Teddy. Sure. You know, five, 10 points times two for however many rounds, but then your, your, your Ryan Madison versus Liam Knight, Murdoch, Masilla, whatever it is that, that range of, of forward that you're looking at instead of a Madison, I think that's where you kind of got to match it up. So it really comes down to how much okay. faith you have in Teddy or to me. Can I, can I, can I talk about, like a strategy or a planning thing that I do and that absolutely you know, this is why we're on yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is why you're and, on and mate. you mentioned the word objective I think the first thing people should do when they what, what you need to get your head around is first like obviously you want players who are good value you know they're going to give you know you're, you're getting free points right players at a good value it's easy you can't have every must you can't have every top dollar player and a lot of top dollar players are going to give you what their price at. The first thing you need to do is know the difference between objective and subjective, you know, and look at what players are going to improve objectively first and foremost. You know, I think the more you can have players who are objectively going to improve. And by that, I mean players who, for whatever reason, you know, you thinking they're going to improve, have a better season, they're going to improve. Like they, they might be goal kicking now and they weren't goal kicking or they were playing on the bench and in their new club or new coach, they're now going to be starting. You know, they're going to have increased minutes or or they were injured 
play limited. They went off. They 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 priced it six games, and for three of those games, they went off after five minutes. So you got you look at all that in, in as many players because. <laughs> As much as the excitement of the game is thinking who's, you know, we're not, we don't know. Rugby league's a hard game to predict, you know, like it's one of the hardest games to tip and it's the hardest game to know what happens. So I think if we've got to, you've got to play by the money ball strategy first and get as many players that objectively are going to improve. And then you might look at your team and go, you know what, I actually, you know, start to have a few players that subjectively you think are going to improve, like, you know, I think Daniel, I think David Fafita might have a good year this year because Gold Coast are going to, you know, something like that. That's a subjective yeah. opinion. Hoping on Teddy, Teddy dropping in points is subjective. You know, if, if if DCE is kicking goals, that's objective. You know, you had, did Cleary, Cleary Max last year, you know, like, but then just to complicate it, sometimes, you know, the line between objective and subjective is a bit grey. But I believe planning objectively is your first step. If you, if you if you go through, most people are going to go, oh, you know, I think he's having a good year. I think he's going to have a good year. Or I, you know, and, and I don't think that's the right way to do it from the beginning. So you're saying there's a chance that Kyle Flanagan will do as well with the Bulldogs this year as, as a Bulldog supporter. That's what you're saying, there's a chance. Uh, look, I totally agree, Rob. And, and look, in, I guess my version of that um, when looking at that kind of value uh, subjectively is, you know, the question I ask is, did everything go right for that player to score that well? Uh, because rugby league being the chaotic and unpredictable game that you mentioned, you know, very rarely does everything go right for a player in back-to-back years. Now, whether you think that everything had to break right for Teddy to score 95 a game, I mean, it was... Well, that's, well just to be clear, that's your yeah. subjective opinion. That's what I mean. Yeah, no, it is subjective yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's 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 not an objective thing. But um, part, of, part of that value judgment but, is if, every, if, if, in my opinion, everything had to go right for that player to score as well as they did, then I have to almost kind of banking that there's a regression to the mean okay just just as just as a as a as a an idea if everyone just let's look at your top 17 players right if everyone picked the top 17 just wrote their players down and wrote down their average you know their average score from last year what basically you know their average score from last year and totaled that down the bottom we all roughly have the same around the same score that would happen. Did you know that? Yes. <laughs> like because they're priced, you know, they're roughly like people who know what they're doing and who are, you know, not spending lots of money on non-playing reserves. If everyone sort of cashed up, the scores will all be the same. Then in, if you did a column next to it, you could roughly work out objectively what you thought those players would score and you might have see what your increase is. It gives you a range a likely range, a probable range of what your score could be. And then on another column, you write down your subjective point of view. Like you said, like, could this player go down? I think this player is going to have a good year. And that could give, that should give you your possible or hopeful score. Not about like just interesting exercise to try. And then like, then you can start going, okay, I've got that. And then you might flip players and when you trade, you know, make a new team and how does this look? Do that, then do that same exercise with your same team. You know, hang on a minute. This might have looked better on paper. I've got more more known keepers or more known guns inside. But actually, this, you know, this way I think is going to be better. Anyway, did that make sense? It did, man. It did. <laughs> Yeah, look, I think it's obviously I find it fascinating how everyone approaches Supercoach differently. And, you know, there's there's definitely many ways you can play this game and still be really successful at, I mean, my, my approaches is obviously a bit different to yours. Um, I, I see where you're coming from with looking at the objective and the subjective. Um, I guess for me, I, yeah, I am more numbers-based. So generally speaking, I'm very much objective in my approach in terms of player analysis their stats and all that type of stuff i do find when it comes to and i think you described it as subjective and it's basically the narrative that they shouldn't go as well or or whatever but and maybe this is just from me doing more nfl fantasy research and stuff like that you know stats and 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 
you know, the, the, the term regression to the mean and stuff like that, that really, I, I think actually, if you, if you look at things in terms of their scoring, I think you'll find the, in rugby league, in the NRL, teams usually score a certain number of points year on, year out. Like you're not suddenly seeing spikes where a team will score one yep. or two more tries per game than, than they, they would in any other year. Yep. And, you know, to me, I look at a situation where the Roosters have just scored in, in, in of all the teams in the past 10 years, they've scored the most points bar one of all the teams in the past 10 years. So that to me seems like they've had one of their peak years scoring wise. So part of factoring that in, like it's not just the player itself, but you got to look at the whole team. What's happened to that team? Well, one day they're, they're going to have a new halfback. Uh, and look, uh, I'm, I've been on record saying I'm not Kyle Flanagan's biggest fan, but he came in, he did a job, he was a pretty good goal kicker. And, you know, Lachlan Lamb or Sam Walker or whoever ends up playing halfback for the Roosters could be better. But, you know, that's subjective. You don't know how it's going to fit in. So objectively, my my, my first thought is... <laughs> that's, like, that's interesting because that's where, when I talked about it, Grang, sorry to sidetrack, but no, that's all right. I guess... Yeah, and then this is what makes it interesting because speaking, well, to Robbo, he he clearly thinks Lockie Lamb's better. You yeah. Know? So knowing that, you know, knowing that, and Lockie Lamb was going to be in the side for the run home last year, he, he listed a number of reasons why he thinks he's better. But yeah, me, me hearing that then just changes the whole narrative to like, you know, compared to what you're, you know, it's just interesting, right? Like one bit of, yeah, you know, where, 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 some a lot of people are doubting, you know, how the Roosters will go because of that exact reason. I'm actually feeling more confident. And I could be totally wrong. It's not to say I'm right, but it's just how it's affecting me and how I approach it. Like I'm actually not being one-eyed, but I'm actually really optimistic about it. <laughs> no, look, I totally see where you're coming from because I guess the flip side of that is if Lockie Lamb is a better player and more creative and contributes more of the ball than Flanagan, like... I think it was pretty clear to see that he wasn't trusted very much. He was there to defend as well as he could. And he made a lot of tackles because people kept running at him and he goal kicked well. That was his part of his job. Yeah. And he passed the ball on. And I'm wondering if, if Lockie Lamb is better and can contribute more with the ball, then does that mean Teddy touches the ball two or three times less? Yeah. Does that mean that he might score more tries? Teddy might have tries set up for him, but maybe he's not the one throwing the pass to Brett Morris or... Yeah, well, it's, not, it's not just like give Teddy the ball, do something, you know, and he's got to run around backwards and break five tackles, you know, and that's do nothing. It. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so like I said, there's certainly many different ways you can look at it subjectively. Yeah. But when I break it down to, you know, you take out the narratives as much as you can. Yeah. On paper, the Roosters were the second best attacking team of the last 10 years. So to me, chances are they're going to go backwards because that's what regression to the mean is – you know, they're going to go back to what is more normal, more natural. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that probably means Teddy's points go down, et cetera, et cetera. But like I said, it's, 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 it really depends how you look at it and how you focus and, and what is your, I guess, the, the priority for you when you're forming that team to, to yeah, like how many of those narrative-based mm-hmm. uh, players do you pick and how much have you studied up and worked out all the objective changes for every other player that's in your team first? <laughs> Just to be clear, like, <laughs> I'm, a, you know, in every other, every other, if it wasn't for the captain, if it wasn't for, you know, the captaincy being a thing, 100% wouldn't have Teddy in my side. And <laughs> add in that I got burnt by not having him last year overall. I just, if I did it again, I just could not, you know, like once, you know, once full, full, you know, whatever. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't live with myself if uh, he comes out and goes ballistic again. We've all, we've all got those players. Most of them yeah. are more in the never again basket as opposed <laughs> to the must have basket. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the roller coaster of super coach, isn't it? But to, but, but onto like what you just say, must have then, and this is sort of like I said, going against everything I've just said about. Teddy and I think I think you guys are on the same page with me here. Like I strongly am against that term. Like this, that well, any any top dollar player who's priced accordingly being referred to as a must have, I just totally disagree with that. And I can 
just feel that you know I can make a pretty strong case there. Like um, particularly at, at, at you know positions where you know there's a scarcity because you can only run two fullbacks and there's well, three or four at least premium options you know what shade that you want to put on each of them they've all got different strengths and weaknesses but um there's there's probably one position that i think there is really one premium player and then daylight um but i would okay so i was saying I, nathan cleary's not a must-have okay yeah so you think he is a must-have no no no. i i, I agree with you in saying yeah. that there is no such thing as a must-have but That's if the, there was to be one i would say it would be cleary just well, because of positional scarcity Okay, so very good example. And you need to differentiate between, you know, do you think he's a must-have or do you think Nathan Cleary is going to be the highest averaging halfback? Like, no doubt do I feel that Nathan Cleary is going to be the highest averaging halfback. But I just, you just can't convince me that he is a must-have. Like, he'll still probably, I'm not saying he shouldn't be in your side. Hmm. He'll probably be in my side. Um, But you need to play what's in front of you. Like, for example, if... If having Nathan Cleary in your side means you have to start with Simonson in your 17, you know what I mean? Like if, if spending that money means you have to have a cheapie in your side, um, Cleary, who, what, 735K, Simonson, 205, that's cost 940 grand, right? Yeah. And the, the secret genius, I think, of Supercoach as a game is not necessarily the stock market aspect of it because we've spent, you know, um, the best part of three quarters of an hour kind of going through the, the you know, how to ma- manipulate that. It's more that we just don't have enough in round one to fill out aside anything like what we want it to be. So you're right in terms of not having a must-have because Cleary had a great year, but he's priced at that you know, premium, premium price. And if for what you get, but if, if, if having, so having Cleary means you have to lose points in other areas, so, so say Cleary and Simmons, say Cleary averages 80 and Simmonson averages 40, that's 120 points, right? Mm-hmm. Say instead of Cleary, you go with um, Harris Tavita at 425, right? Just say, and, and say with that extra money, instead of having Simmonson, you can play Brian Kelly and he's 500. So for, Cheaper than Cleary and Simonson, you've got CH, you know, um, Harris Tavita and Kelly. Now, if they average 65, just say, like this is just hypothetical, but just yep. say they average, their combined score is 130 and Cleary and Simonson is 120. Like what's, and CH and Harris Tavita and Kelly is cheaper. Like what's a better buy? Oh, exactly. I mean, that was like, my point. Like you can't argue that, right? Teddy, like, Teddy and Liam Knight. Or Turbo yeah. and Madison, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Like, except- so I think, yeah. It certainly seems to me like you've both presented examples that are you know very similar. But I think I feel like lost within all of that is that your team is twenty five players and it's not just seventeen. And yeah, you you know when you're comparing Cleary and Simmonson, you're also thinking well strategically it's Cleary plus whichever you know, super coach enough, center wing enough lottery that you're going to play week to week, right? So Simonson might get a rollout against one week because they're up against the Broncos. And then the week after you're going to play uh, Tessie New because he's against the Bulldogs or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can rotate that. And these are the things that they're all factors. I'm not saying like yeah, no means am I saying what I've just said is 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 the only thing you should be doing. Hundred yeah. yeah. percent not. It's just it's just when I hear the term he's a must have or Cook's a must have at hooker or yeah. you know whatever Madison's a must have. No, like they're not must haves. They're very good play. They're very good players and they're going to score well from you. But they're not a must have. It's the overall picture. Yeah. And it depends, like, it's the same as when people say, oh, I, I, I like to have lots of good second rowers or I like to, you no, know, like, you need to look at the whole, you need to play what's given to you, you know. Um, and yeah. what- I, think, I think it's safe to say the only must-have in Supercoach are the best money makers in the game, right, from round one. You want to lay, you, you need to make sure you've got all the best cheapies that you can possibly get. For me, and first, you- it's scoring. I want players okay. to score the most points. If you're going for overall, first things first, you want to get on the board. Like, mm. you know, like that's making money is 
points, you know, you, you want to come from, obviously you want to do that as well, but there's no point having players making money if you're coming 20,000th. Yeah, look, I think that's that's a given. But I think for me, in terms of when I build my team, I'm always looking at where the best money makers are likely going to be, right? Whereas I guess if you're focusing on points first, points first, you you can fall in the trap of perhaps you miss out on one of the best cheapies of the season because you prioritize points. And of course, it goes the other way, right? You've prioritized money making. You got all the best cheapies, but you've got a whole bunch of players who aren't scoring as well, and you're losing. Um, you know, you're falling further and further behind. So it's certainly a fine balance. And I think, Joe, you, you spoke to that before. It's certainly, you know, that's the beauty of Supercoach. There's no, I, I genuinely don't think there's a magic formula. There's no template that works season to season. Um, like I said, the the season I won, I had one gun. Um, actually, it wasn't even a gun. I had Milford and three three um, rookie halves in the halves um, for 2016. Like, you're never going to do that any other year because, it's just not viable, but like those rookie halves was a, it was a special year for rookie halves, like the likes of Jackson Hastings and Ash Taylor and Cody Walker. Like they all went on, had fantastic seasons and made a lot of money. So it made sense for that year. It was at risk. And I think that's the thing. You've got to decide looking at your 17, you've got to play 17 players each week, obviously. But if you take a risk with one or two options, and I think, you know, one of the areas that people are looking at this year, it's the, the hooker position and the 5-8th position. People are gambling there a lot of the time. You know, I've heard so many people going, well, I might go double double cheapies at hooker. So they've got, yeah. you know, hope, hopeful of Connor Watson playing lock and they've got Jacob Little partnering him up. So it's risky in itself. Who knows what Watson's minutes are. They're coming back from major injuries. Little is injury prone, et cetera, et cetera. You and can't then, have everyone, right? Exactly. You can't so, have everyone. So you've got to have, there's no point having Cook if in not having one of the cheapies, if you can't have a better mid ranger in another position, you know. Yeah, it's it certainly. <laughs> I think what we've discovered tonight is that there are more and more strategies that, uh, in terms of formulating your team, in terms of evaluating your team as well. Um, you know, some of the ways you've spoken about that you look at it and how you break it down is certainly not the ways I've always done it in the past. So I'll have to sit down and you know, uh, draw up those columns no, and have I, a track I, I, w- I would be clear. Like it's not it's not like that is the be-all and I don't go, that's it, yeah. you know. That's just another way for me to look at it and it helps me look a little bit objectively and go, okay, you know, maybe maybe you were wrong there like to myself. Like maybe maybe that's not right or maybe you're just safer doing it this way or, you know, that's just another little – yeah, you're right. I think we agree far, far more than we kind of disagree and we're kind of arguing on the margins here. But I think <laughs> if there is a, a rule in super coach is don't pick any player uh, from a team Dean Pay coaches in. Uh, <laughs> so I think we can all get behind that one, right? That, that and Anthony Seabold, right? That's the new one. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, Dean Pay's got a higher chance of ever coaching an NRL side again uh, than Seabes does. But, yeah, I take your point. <laughs> the, the, the beauty of though of having some Cleary, that I feel of having a Cleary in it, you know, like even with Teddy, is that if Teddy does stink it in the first two weeks for whatever reason, and Pappenhausen, you know, is you can just trade him, like you can go to anyone if you've got the most expensive player. If there's you know if there's someone you're nervous about, you know, like a a mid ranger or less than top dollar potential gun but you're just not sure, you know, it might be Tommy or it might be Pap, you know, or someone like, you know, is DCE going to be kicking goals? Like, is he better by than Cleary? Go with Cleary because you can always trade down. You know, I can always, if I have Teddy in the first week and like I said, he stinks it and Paps fires, I can just go straight to him, you know, before you lose money. Gives you more flexibility. Yeah, look, it's <laughs> that's exactly what I said about starting with Cook last year instead of Appy, and that, look how that worked out for me. Eh? <laughs> but no, in, I, I totally agree. I generally, if, if I'm 50-50, I go with the more expensive option. That's the way it's always been for me. One thing I would say is that if you've made the decision to land on Teddy, don't panic trade him after round one. Definitely not round one. And just just for reference, but um, just to you know illustrate the point, Teddy's scores in round one the last three years, 39, 23, 35. Now, if you're paying 843K and expecting a 95 average and he pumps out another 23, 
don't panic because you've got to trust in the in the reasons why you decided to go Teddy in yeah. the first place. Cool. Yeah, that's really good. So, look, I want to finish on two questions before we. Uh, I know we've probably gone a bit longer than we we're hoping, but I, I, I think it's important. I talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So, I think firstly, you know, again, focus on overall. We do have to think about buyers again this year. How much do you think about buyers in your round one team? For particularly round thirteen for this season, not so. More about origin players come more so like because the buyers generally, you know, they even out. Um, obviously, it's ideal to have more for the first one, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely thinking about origin players. Not, it's not going to be the be all and end all, but I, it's almost just I get a little. Oh, yeah, that you know, if I like a player and he, if I look at my team and I count through, they've only got sort of a minimal amount of origin players. Okay, yeah, that's cool because obviously they're going to miss two two games. You know, one of them's a buy, so they miss one extra game. But I think that I think the you know what Robbo's done with the Roosters and players being rested more is going to happen. So they, I think they end up missing you know more football than you think. Um, yeah. But it's just at the, at the early. It's, it, it it will have a more of a factor in how I trade close, you know, leading up to leading up to it. Okay, so you're not too conscious on on planning ahead for it. I know for sometimes, um, you know, I use it as a tiebreaker. If I've got two players I like, I might just go with with one of them. It's going to play around thirteen. I'll just lean yeah, that way. Sure. I'm, I'm, that. I'm the same. All right, um, Joe. Anything different on that? Yeah, the tiebreaker is pretty much where I go. I would say with Origin players, they're also a tiebreaker for me if I like a, a non-Origin player equally. Um, just because, again, taking twenty twenty and COVID out of the uh, out of the way, um, there there was an established pattern uh, that that Bennett and Bellamy started of resting Origin stars just on yeah. a random week, uh, <laughs> some point during the Origin week, and and how many times do you get you, you know caught with your pants down trying to be clever, and all of a sudden you've only got fifteen players for a week because you've got you know a handful of Origin players that are that are being rested. So um, assuming we go back to that. Uh, kind of format where they're they're managing you know load management um, through that origin period. I think uh, you know veering away from an origin player only in the, only in a tiebreaker situation is probably something I'm, I, I really want to do. And I will say that age for me is becoming an increasing Ooh. factor in, in as a tiebreaker. Now I haven't done the stats this year. But when I was doing research, when I wrote the Ten Commandments of Supercoach last year, the um, the top fifteen averaging players uh, in 2019 was was 24, mm. and if you take Cameron Smith as a freak out, that drops <laughs> yeah. to 23.2. So he raised the average what two two years by himself. Oh, a year by himself, um, and the average age in 2018 was 24.13 as well. Um, so Dude, I never, I never would have thought to look at that. Interesting. Yeah. So, so what that means is that isn't a crop of superstar players that are coming through and dominating the game. Because if that was the case, the average age would have risen by a year instead of going down in 2019. So you look at. For example, Jake Trebojevic, as uh, you know, as an example, burst onto the scene. Uh, you know, as a young bloke, he'd play eighty minutes. He'd take all the hit ups. He'd make all the tackles. You know, he'd, he'd tackle, bust, he'd do all that kind of crazy stuff. We're only kind of, I think, it's three, four years maybe after his debut, and he's already being the first, taking the first receiver role, picking his moments. You know, doing all that kind of stuff. And what you see is because rugby league players are trying to you know, make their careers go for longer, that they are and getting smarter. smarter and pacing themselves after that kind of initial, I'll take a million hit-ups, I'll make a million tackles. They know the effect it has on their body. So, they, so you know, Supercoach is a counting stats game. Ah, very and, interesting. You've just, and, you've just yes. bloody given me another whole chunk of time to waste my life on now. Yeah, oh, there you go, mate. And, and again, <laughs> I, I don't have the, the numbers to hand now, but just looking, once you take out your Charlie Staines and your Sam Williams, you know, who who had one or two games that were really big, 
um, it is going to be a low average age as well because you've got your uh, your Alex Brimsons, you you know Cleary's still young, uh, Harry Grant's in the top fifteen, Pappenhausen's in the top fifteen, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I a tiebreaker for me is is to go younger rather than older because far out. I'd be very interested to see that like over a long period, you know, of a big sample size. Well, I've done two years, mate. I'll, I'll hand the <laughs> yeah. torch over. Let's, let's, let's revisit this one in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting. It's good. I like it. Yeah. And we'll, if you go, so that's the top average uh, per game, uh, score per game. If in 2019, the top 15 individual game scores, so, you know, the, the people that are skyrocketing for close to 200 and that stuff, the average age of the players in who had the top 15 individual scores was 23. So it was even younger. Yes. So, yeah. It's really, really interesting. I, I have to break it down a bit more, I reckon. I'd be interested to see if, help, again, you know, of those young players, how many of those are like you know, superstar fullbacks, up and coming. Yeah, there's a lot of variables in there. But like, you know, like I said, over over a big sample size, it would be... It would be interesting. And, and again, in the smaller sample size I had, it wasn't indicative that it was just one crop of superstar players because the average age actually dropped from uh, from 2018 to 2019. Fascinating stuff. Uh, so the last question I will talk about, and I think this has come up a fair bit and, and I think brought upon by one of your tweets, Rob, but thoughts on having enough. Um, do you insist on having 25 starting you know, playing players who are going to start scoring and potentially making cash for you round one? Or is it becoming more and more fashionable to have at least one non-playing reserve who's not going to be playing so you can, you know, take advantage of the vice-captain loophole or... Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. I just need to add in, I hate the captaincy yeah. rule and, I, uh, the, and the vice-captaincy rule, but it's with us, so you've got to make it work for you. The, the, the way, you know, going on from last year with the scores that we saw, with the new rules, we can assume the game's probably going to be similar this year, if not faster. Um, more big scores, right? Uh, you just can't... It's Those big captaincy scores are just so valuable. It's the difference, right? That is the difference between, right up, you know, being right up the top or just being close to the top. You just got to have them. Um, so giving yourself two bites of that cherry, I think is very important that, um, it's, that's just an odds game. So if you can, obviously, if your vice captain smashes out a 150, you want to take it, how's the best way to do it? Obviously, you know, captain, a non-playing player. Yeah, you're right. Like previously before last year, I would have hundred percent never started with enough. And then I, I got, like I said, I, got, I just could not nail my captain last year. Just didn't get any of those big scores and just sort of just had to look at how can, you know, I thought, okay, I really got to make this vice captaincy and captaincy choice more besides trying to get your captaincy. You know, I thought, what can I do differently with my captaincy? I, I, I don't think I can do anything differently. I'm just using my judgment. The only thing I can do differently is increase the odds by having two shots at it. Um, and how can you give yourself the best chance of having two shots? Is it well? You've got to look at, you know, the draw and see how it's going to work in your side. And having obviously, you need to have a player that isn't playing to make it work. And I was, I think, the tweet you're talking about at that stage, I was adamant that I was going to start with enough this year, and I have since changed my mind. <laughs> Fair enough. No, what I have decided on is that I, yeah, I just couldn't. Yeah, it was just hard for me to accept having that player not not making that money. couple of reasons. One, you're likely to get an injury or something anyway. Or there's a possibility that, you know, it's a possibility that a player gets dropped or injured or, you know, a short-term injury or something like that anyway. Um, so you, you don't want more than, you know, one player not making money. And then, you know, my other, then I just sort of thought, well, you know, if you do have that vice-captain he does go massive and you just don't want to miss out on that score, then I'll be content to trade out, you know, maybe one of my cheaper underperforming players, you know, for enough and just cop the trade. Wow. Burn a trade and then cop the score. Burn a trade for those points. If it's, you know, there's a big difference, but 
you know, if you can get the points on your board for your captaincy, it's massive. Like, and that's a good debate. Like, what's a, what do you take? Is it a hundred? <laughs> what is it? I just think, you know, is there anything worse than your captain, you know, getting a head knock or getting injured and just minimize, just take that risk out, take the hundred, take that, you know, and particularly if it's bigger than that, you just, you know, unless you're counting on your captain coming afterwards and matching it. Yeah. Odds are against it. Take that score. Certainly nothing more sickening, I think, for Supercoach than to watch your captain go off after five minutes on, you know, two or three points, (laughs) knowing that you're going to get two times two and you're just like, oh, I feel sick. I'm going to vomit. I can't watch this anymore. (laughs) You shouldn't have to suffer that much, right? Like it's bad enough that one player gets that, but that, you know, theoretically two players cop that score. Not fair. Yeah, that's happened like to me more than once. That, that's for sure. <laughs> well, it, it ruins your year. Seriously. Like, that's how significant it is. Yeah, it certainly has the potential to, especially the last few years, how close it's been at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the difference between a 60 and a 300, you know, if you had the people, you know, if you had those scores of 200 now, not, you know, 150 is not even rare. <laughs> like, 300 to you know 50 doubled that's just too big a difference <laughs> it certainly is but look i think um yeah we probably will call it a night here we've um i think it's been great thank you for coming on and and we've we've certainly dug into a lot of different topics uh we're certainly gonna have to get you back on and we can keep dissecting some of these things because uh look there's obviously we, we, you're very experienced you have a lot of uh, knowledge and insight to share. So thank you for joining us tonight. No problem. Yeah, thanks, Rob. It was great. So just to, to wrap it up, um, we will pretty sure next week I'm going to have NRL Physio on. So he's going to give us the injury wrap. We'll do, go through all of the preseason, off-season rehabs and recoveries, which players he's concerned about to start with for round one, uh, you know, potential avoids based off their off-season rehab and stuff like that. So no doubt that's going to be really important information for everyone. So uh, fingers crossed I can line that up with NRL Physio. But in the meantime, obviously, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please keep, um, you know, leave us a review, a rating, whatever on iTunes or whatever podcast app that you're using to listen to us. Uh, We appreciate all of our Patreons, uh, as always. Thank you for subscribing and supporting us. We will continue to produce pre-season content and uh, we've got a couple of other great episodes coming up. So thank you again for listening, and we will catch you again next week.